we, I told you last week, we are about, uh, now we are a week away from Christmas, which blows my mind that we are this far into December. Uh, some of you are in panic mode. Anybody in panic mode? Just go ahead and just, yeah, we'll just have a, a moment together uh, that you have forgotten that Christmas is a week away. Uh, just to kind of keep us on the same page, we are having service Christmas Eve morning. So if you'd like to come and share that with us, I know some have traditions that you do and you can watch online uh, or sing carols on your own. I completely understand, but we are going to celebrate also together Sunday morning here on Christmas Eve. It's going to be amazing, amazing service uh, all together. Would love to have you come and join us. But how many of you have traditions this week leading up to Christmas? Something you do every year. Anybody you've got traditions? Like you sing the same songs every year. You bake the same kind of cookies or like you go see the lights all together as a family. You got some, nobody's got traditions. None of you people. All right, that's fine. Maybe some of you, you build gingerbread houses. Anybody you build the gingerbread, right? With all the kids, right? You go and do some of you, you give up, right? That the icing will never hold it together. And you get the nail gun out and hold together the, the gingerbread house. Cause it is chaos. If you've ever done that, uh, a buddy of mine sent me, they had done it. And he said his youngest was kind of off to the side being quiet, which is scary. You understand this, right? If the youngest is ever quiet and off to their own, something bad, bad, bad is happening. I just don't. And he said, he went over to check on them and all of their materials, all of their building gingerbread materials were gone. And he's like, buddy, did you like throw them away? Did you say, he's like, I ate them. And so just if you need that encouragement, whatever your tradition is, right? Some of you, you do all those. Growing up, our Christmas tradition was we would travel on Christmas. Come on, somebody. We had a lot of out-of-state family, and so we would always go. And I, as I got older, I realized that it wasn't just a beautiful tradition. It was because there was cheap travel on Christmas. If you flew on Christmas Day, that's when all the... T- and so I have kept that in my own life, everybody. That has been an amazing thing I've kept with my family. We travel on Christmas Day because that's when the cheap tickets are. Come on, somebody. And so my kids have celebrated Christmas morning in... In Steamboat Springs and in all these different little airports all over the United States where there are no airline, no thing. We ate Christmas morning a couple of years ago at a little deli in Steamboat Springs. Come on, somebody in the airport deli. And I'm hyping it up for my kids, how amazing it is. And they're just sitting there like they know, they know everybody. And so that's just anybody else. Cheap travel on Christmas is your tradition. Anybody with me? Nobody. From now on, you will understand the secret that is cheap travel on Christmas. We won't see any of you on Christmas morning. But yeah, it's just amazing time with traditions. I just, I, I love to hear what people do with their families. I love to hear this time of year, the stuff that we do every year. And it may be cheesy, it may be corny, it may be something that only your family does. But it is something you put in place that is meaningful to you. And I think it's an amazing time of year that we're able to do that. One thing I hope you will institute if you don't already, something that we do every Christmas. Doesn't matter where we are. Doesn't matter if we're making four connections just to get to Dallas. Come on, somebody. Whatever you are on Christmas, we crack open Luke chapter 2. We read it together as a family. It's very meaningful to us. And so I just encourage you, you know, I know it's crazy. I know it's, it's a nutty time of the year where all these things are happening, but have a moment where you just read the Christmas story together. And we're going to do it next Sunday together as a church. And so we'll have that opportunity on Christmas Eve, but I would just encourage you Christmas morning institute that because it talks about the birth of Jesus. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the time we have together where we just focus on the meaning of the season. And so I thought here a week out, I thought we would just kind of turn ourselves. I know our Christmas series is a little shorter this year. This year it's only this week and next Sunday. But I thought we would just kind of turn ourselves uh, towards the birth of Christ and just study a little bit about who Jesus is. 
before all the lights and craziness and in-laws and everything that happens this week, before it all gets crazy, I thought we would just kind of turn our attention and talk about Jesus for just a few moments together, just to kind of set our hearts right. And I'm not saying this isn't like you guys are all wrong and your hearts are, go enjoy the season, do all the things, man, traditions and things, have it up big, but just at the core of it that we would turn our attention and our worship and our praise and we remember. And so I thought I'd talk a little bit this morning just about Jesus. And honestly, if you read scripture, it says that Jesus is the name above every other name. It's this idea, the name of Jesus would be above every, and even if you're not a believer, you have to admit that the name of Jesus, there's something to it. Because you can talk about God all day long. You can, I mean, you can go on talk shows and talk about spirituality and God and peace and the season, all that, and there is no problem at all. But as soon as you say the name Jesus, as soon as you start to talk about Jesus is the only way, there seems to be controversy that pops up. It, it seems to carry along with it this idea of controversy. So I would just ask you at the outset, believers and unbelievers, wherever you find yourself on the spiritual spectrum, what do you think of when you hear the name Jesus? What, what pops into your mind? Because I think even, even as believers, even if you've been saved for 40 years, I think sometimes we have a couple of snapshots that we keep in our minds. So I pause for a second to let you think about that. What do you see in your mind? Some of you are like, I see six pound, eight ounce, sweet baby Jesus, like in the manger, right? That's your, that's your vision. You got the Christmas snapshot. Some of you, it's 33 year old Jesus on the cross. You've got the Easter snapshot. But what do you think about when you hear the name Jesus? Because today, just for a few moments, I want to kind of broaden our horizon, maybe outside of those two snapshots that we keep about who is he? What does it mean to worship Christ? What does it mean that he came to earth? What does it mean that he ministered and gave his life for that? And so let's learn a couple of words here at the outset just to kind of kick off the message. So like I said, a couple of moments to broaden our horizon of who is Jesus. A couple of words I want you to learn. I understand that school is done. You're either done last week or you are finishing up this week. And so you are done learning like your kids are getting out and that's it, right? Forget everything over. But hang with me for just a couple of moments. Only two words to learn. And that is hine and I do. A couple of words that I want us to learn, and they are the same word in two separate languages. So the first one is hine. Everybody say hine with me. Hine. This is the Hebrew word. One more time together. Hine. Think Forrest Gump saying jine. Come on, somebody. You can, yeah, get, get, get. Hine. There we go. Hey, you people online, you say it out loud wherever you are too. Even if you're in public, just shout it. Hine. All right. Hine is the Hebrew word. It's meaning this idea, this, this idea of lo or behold. Now, the second word I want you to learn is I do. Come on, say it with me. I do. One more time together. I do. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Thank you very much. All right, there we go, everybody. So you've learned the two words. They mean the same thing. One in the Hebrew, hine. One in the Greek, I do. And they're translated as this way in the Bible, as lo or see or behold. Same idea, same word together. And what we're going to find is immediately following these words, something is said. Something is declared. Something is spoken. And what you need to find in Scripture, when you see these words... Now, you probably don't have a Hebrew or Greek Bible with you. Maybe some of you, a couple of you have one. Or maybe it's on your phone. You're like, I got it right here. Come on, somebody. But maybe in the English, when you see this word, behold. After this word, something is said. A statement is made. And what we're going to find is when this word is said in conjunction with Christ, what follows it is life-changing. And so the idea, this word behold, what it's saying is it's like, look or see. Honestly, if it was a modern day, it'd be like, keep your eyes up. Like, dude, you don't want to miss this. Like, you, you can't, you gotta, you gotta see, like, pay attention. Behold, 
This word hine or I do, this idea of watch what I'm about to say. And when it's said in conjunction with Jesus, it is life altering. It's life changing. Because here's what we're going to find. We're going to see these statements about Christ that give us a picture of who he is. Who is Jesus? The first one, I want to do it out of Isaiah 7. This is the first verse would be, behold, behold Jesus, the baby. Behold Jesus, the child. And it's prophesied some 700 years before he's actually born in Isaiah. And watch what it says in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, therefore, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. Remember, 700 years before the birth of Christ, this is prophesied that God would give him a sign. Behold, behold, don't miss this. Watch this. Behold what's about to happen. Behold, it says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And watch, he'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, the heroes of this would have been blown away. This would have been the most incredible thought in their minds. This idea of the Messiah, that God himself would come down. This idea, and they they hear this prophecy, behold, watch this, don't miss it. Watch this, behold, the Savior that you've heard about. Behold, the Savior you've learned about. He's coming. Behold, he's going to be born. Now, Mary would probably have had a little bit of a contention, probably a few points of contention with this prophecy. Because listen, what it doesn't prophesy is behold, and she shall be nine months pregnant on a donkey for four days going to Bethlehem. Come on, somebody. And behold, and there shall be no room in the inn, so she shall give birth in a stable. Really a cave. She shall give birth in a cave and lay him in a manger. And behold, she shall not murder Joseph on the trip there. Come on, somebody. Like that really is the miracle of Christmas, if we're honest with each other, right? (laughs) uh, Maybe scripture just doesn't record some of the heated moments of fellowship that happened along the way. But behold, Emmanuel will be born. Behold this idea that they will have the Christ child. Behold that they shall head to Bethlehem. Behold that he shall be born in a stable. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. And again, Mary didn't know all the things that might have happened with it. We know the song, Mary, did you know? And I saw somebody had listed, yes, no, yes, no, the things she actually did know from the song. We don't know everything that she was aware of, but I guarantee she probably didn't know it was going to be that hard or that difficult. Behold, they will arrive and there will be no room in the inn for them to have a baby. I don't know if you've ever had a baby. I have not. I just put that out there for anything. But this idea that they would arrive in all this splendor and there would be no room for them. When my daughter Hava, she's our youngest, when she was born, my wife and I were all happy. And my wife started having contractions, so only I was happy. And we all headed out. We got in the car and we headed down here to Oshner on O'Neill. We're going to... It's baby time, right? You're happy. You find someone to take care of the rest of the kids and you head down and we get there and we ride the little elevator up and like, okay, it's, it's time and we're excited and we get there to the front. I'll never forget. We got to the nurse's station and that nurse leaned down and she looked at us and she had big wide eyes and she was like, we're full. And I thought that is a strange joke to tell people who are very stressed right now. Like that is, I realize you got jokes back there and maybe you're bored, but that's not a funny thing. And she's, and so then I'm like, I don't know if you've realized we're having a baby. I understand there are deliver babies there, but we are special. And so please allow, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to like freak out. And my wife is the picture of serenity and like sweetness. And she's talking to this nurse like it's normal. She's like, well, what should we do and where should we go? And I'm like, God in heaven, you open this door and you give us a bed right now. Let's be honest. If men had the babies, it would be a whole different thing. Come on, somebody. I was thinking about that. This If we had, it'd be a whole different scenario. We'd like check in like month seven. Like you can't be here. You can't be here to her. I'll just hang out till it happens, right? Like I'm just here. Get the epidural like month three. You can't be too early. Come on, somebody. 
Like just having, I don't know. That's just, now they did find us a room. Like they did find us. We did not end up in the stable, everybody, right? We found, they found us a room. No thanks to me. But Mary Joseph, nine months pregnant, four days on a donkey, no room for them in the inn. You ever think that they maybe felt responsible? Like God came to them and said, you're going to have the Christ child. And then all these things happened to them. No way they thought this is God's plan. I just, I always say, this is free. You can throw it all out if you want to. But I just thinking they probably, after setback, after setback, like we can't even have him where the angel told us we were going to have him. And we can't even like, like we can't even, even like go and have these things. Like we can't even have things go right just once in our, can one thing go right? And they have the Christ child there. And I just, I just thought maybe on Christmas, they're feeling like this can't be God's plan. Like this can't be this, this, everything is going wrong. Everything is happening to us. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life. We just feel like this can't be, this can't be the way, but behold, behold, it will be God with us. Behold, Emmanuel born, behold the Christ child, behold the baby. Isaiah nine says this for unto us. What does it say? For unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Behold, the Bible's saying, don't miss this. Don't, like, don't, don't just skip past. Behold, Jesus the baby. Hear the news, the Christ child born. Another picture of Jesus I want you to see is this. Behold, don't miss this, Jesus the Lamb of God. Behold, Jesus the Lamb. John the Baptist made this bold declaration. First chapter of John. He says, John saw him coming toward him. John's baptizing in the river and he sees Jesus walking. And he says, behold, don't miss this. And he's telling everybody who can hear him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, and everyone in his audience would have stopped dead in their tracks. They've come to be baptized. They've come to hear John preach. They've come to see whatever it is. And they would have stopped dead in their tracks. Behold the Lamb of God. Like we've heard about him. Like years and years, hundreds of years of prophecy. All this time we've heard about him. And here standing with us. I just came to the river to get baptized. I didn't know I was going to. Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. They would have understood this idea of the Lamb. Because they lived in a sacrificial culture. And so this idea of when someone sins, someone has to pay the price, but there could be a substitute for that. That what they would do is they would take a lamb and they would slay it and they would sacrifice it on the altar to cover over the sins. Or they would remember the Passover from hundreds of years before when God rescued his people out of bondage. And he came to them and Moses brings the word to the people that the angel of death is about to pass over the land. But anyone who takes the blood of a lamb and spreads it over their doorpost... They won't experience death in the house. That they just put that blood that it would protect, even in the Old Testament, a foreshadow of the cross of Christ. Behold the Lamb, not just a Lamb, the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world. John is declaring, behold the Lamb. Check it out. He's saying, behold, there He is. Revelation 5 says, worthy is this Lamb. Talking about Jesus, worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. John says, behold, don't miss it. Don't just read past it. Don't, he's saying, no, don't just get baptized and go home. Don't just behold the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world for the sins of the world. Jesus miraculously behold. Another picture of Jesus I hope you get is this Pontius Pilate. In John, watch this, what he says in John 19. He says, Jesus came out. I think this is the crucifixion. Right before he goes to his death, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, what does he say? Behold the man. 
Think this is incredible that even out of the mouth of Pilate, this would come. Behold the man. Because listen to me, your salvation and my salvation, it rests on this fact that Jesus was all God and all man at the same time. That he was both God, he was the God man. But not just any man, this is Jesus the man. Jesus who overflowed with compassion. Jesus who loved others so much that the biblical word translated is this idea of this, this empathy that's so deep that he would overflow. It's from the deepest part that when he would see people, he would just bleed with compassion. Jesus who loved, Jesus who endured, Jesus the man. Behold, don't miss this. Don't miss the humanity of Christ. Don't miss the compassion of Jesus the man that the lepers, the ones that were the outcasts, the ones that nobody would even go near, Jesus would touch. The ones that nobody would even allow into the temple or the synagogue, Jesus would spend his time with. That Jesus would go and spend time with those that the world wouldn't even come close to. That he would see the eyes of the blind and he would open them. That he would spend time with drunkards and prostitutes. That he would go with those. That he would begin to spend his time, his compassion, on those that were so outcast that the religious of the day couldn't stand him the way that he would spend his time. The way that he would love. Behold, Jesus, the man. Jesus, obedient to the Father, even unto death, and then raised to life, that you and I could be saved. Behold. Don't miss this. This word, hine, I do. This word, behold, Jesus. And even when they put him on a cross, behold, Jesus. Suffering in the midst of that. Behold, Jesus, when creation was mocking creator, still turned his face to heaven and said, Father, forgive them. Behold, I don't know what snapshot you have of Jesus in your mind, but behold, Jesus, the man crucified on the cross, still turning his face to heaven and saying, Father, forget." we could have wiped them out with a word, could have called legions of angels, reset this, could have done it all and said, prayed for forgiveness. Behold, Jesus, according to Isaiah 53, again prophesied, Jesus, behold, who was wounded for our transgression bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our, the punishment so that we could have peace was laid on him. The idea that we could have peace in our lives, that there could be salvation for us was laid on his shoulders, chastisement for our peace upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Scripture says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Behold Jesus who carries our sin. Behold, don't, don't miss it. Behold Jesus who died for us. Behold Jesus, obedient on the cross. Behold Jesus, wounded for us. Check this out, the Bible says. Behold Jesus, the Christ child, born to die for the sins of the world. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God slain. Behold Jesus, the man who endured the cross, being obedient to God even to the point of death. And then God raised him to life by the power of God. And behold, he is the soon returning king. Watch this in Revelation 22. It says, and behold, check this out. I hope you don't miss this. Check it out. Behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold, Jesus. When Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, a lonely, humble baby in a manger. When he returns, it's a whole different thought on his mind, everybody. You understand? He said, he's a returning king. Behold Jesus, the Christ child. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold Jesus, the man who endured the pain on the cross. But now behold Jesus, the returning King of kings. Behold Jesus, who is coming back. John prophesied in Revelation chapter 19. He said, I saw heaven opened. 
and a white horse and he who had sat on it was called faithful and true. He is seeing this moment. He is seeing this prophecy. Isaiah prophesied and then Jesus was born. John prophesied this moment is coming. He says faithful and true in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes like a blazing fire. His head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen and white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth a sharp sword to strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron and treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. How's that for a Christmas verse, everybody? Put that under your, <laughs> put that on your refrigerator this week. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. Listen, behold... Behold the Christ child born lowly and humble in a manger. Behold the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. Behold the man who endured the cross and was obedient to the point of death. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Behold Jesus, the returning King, who has this name on his thigh written, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Behold Christ, the returning King. Behold. Behold. Listen. He's saying, behold, this prophecy from John, this is both a prophecy of celebration and a warning. Behold, there is a king that's returning. Behold, time is short. Behold. You look around the world and you see pain and tragedy. You see all of the things that are occurring, all of the chaos, all of the moral depravity, all of the things that happen around. It gets all of these things, but behold, time is short. It's short. Behold. There is a soon returning king. Listen to me, church. One day the trumpet of God will sound. It says the dead in Christ will rise first and those who remain will join to meet them in the air. Behold the returning king. Behold. And so this Christmas, before we get our eyes on everything else around us, before we start to get distracted, and I'm not trying to be the, the killjoy and say, well, just don't do anything. Just sit in your room with the lights off and don't celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate with my family as well. But just before, when we set our eyes on what actually matters, behold, don't miss this. Behold, Jesus, the baby in the manger. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world. Behold, Jesus, the man who took it all for us. And behold, Jesus, the returning King. And finally this morning, behold, Jesus, the one who wants to share his life with you. Because time is short. I don't think uh, we as Christians have ever minced words about that, that time is short. Whether we are living in the last days or not, I don't know. No one knows. But you are living in your last days. You understand? Time is short. Behold, Jesus who wants to share his life with you. Revelation says it this way in chapter 3. It says, Behold, don't miss this. I stand at the door and knock. Behold, see this. Don't miss it. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. Behold, I'm here. Jesus is saying, Behold, all of these things we've looked at today, all of this progression of our sin and the redemption we needed for it, all of the sacrifice that he gave, and then all of his kingship and lordship. But above all of that, behold, Jesus, who sacrificed his life and loves you. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, if you let me in, I'll give you peace that passes understanding. Behold, if you let me in, I'll give you healing that you can't even imagine. Behold, if you let me in forgiveness of sins. Behold, if you let me in peace in your life and in your family. Behold, if you let me in. Don't miss this. Time is short. Don't miss this moment. 
that Jesus is saying, behold, I stand ready to redeem and to save you. Behold, behold, he's there. Are you listening? Behold, he wants to change your entire life, make you brand new. Don't miss this. Because I'm scared so many people will play Christmas this year and miss the risen Christ. And we'll get our eyes on everything else. But behold, Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ child born to die, the Lamb slain for the sins of the world, the God-man who endured the pain of the cross, the soon returning King and the one who stands ready. The one who stands ready and knocks, asking you to let him in. Who is Jesus? He is Christ the Lord. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Lord, let us experience you this Christmas. Jesus, let us know life and your resurrection power. Lord, let us maybe for the first time get our eyes off of the snapshots we have of who you are and see the full breadth of the redemption plan you have for us. You are the land slam slain. You are the man who endured the cross, raised to life, and you are the returning king. So I pray this Christmas, let us experience life and life more abundantly, the life that only you can give. Let us worship you for who you truly are. You know, there's some of you here today and you would say, you know what, if I'm honest with myself, uh, and, and there are so many fancy ways to say it, I would throw all of them out. If you're honest with yourself, you would say, you know what? Jesus isn't in charge of my life. I see all the snapshots and I've read all the verses and I've done the routine. And I've done all those things. But if I was honest with myself, you would say, you know what? He's not calling the shots. Or maybe you say, I don't know even why I'm here today or why I'm watching online or why I'm even hearing this message. I don't even know the circumstances that kind of made this happen. But I am here, but I'm so far from God. It's... You wouldn't even understand, Pastor. I just, I've run so far and I've done so many things. And it's great for everybody else, but it's just, it's not my thing. God wouldn't love me anyway. Listen to me, I, I don't know where you came from. I don't know the things that you've done. I don't pretend to know your story. I don't know what maybe got you sideways with God. I don't know what made you run as far as you did. I don't know the things that happened, but here's what I do know. One, I know that this moment, however it was orchestrated, however God chose to do it, this moment, you are here for a reason. You clicked on that link or you did whatever it was, you are listening or watching for a reason for this moment to hear possibly the best news you could ever hear at Christmas time. Listen to me. Behold, God loves you. Behold, don't miss this. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross that whoever believes in him, doesn't matter your backstory, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter what anybody else said or did to you. He loves you that anyone that would believe on Jesus would be saved. That the Bible says Jesus didn't come in this world to condemn the world. He didn't come to point the finger in your face. He came to rescue you. And so this Christmas season, wherever you find yourself in this moment, behold, don't miss this. He loves you. 
Behold, he can rescue you. Behold, he gave his life for you. Behold, doesn't matter who you are, you could be saved. Behold, right now you can make that decision. Behold, he is standing at the door and knocking. Behold, don't miss this. Keep your eyes open. Don't miss this. Behold. And so if that's you, I just want to give you an invitation. I'm not trying to get you to join a church. I'm not trying to get you to give anything. I'm saying right now you have an opportunity to meet Jesus. Right now he can rescue you. And the Bible is very clear. No matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, the Bible is very clear. He can make you brand new. He can wash you clean. Your eternity can be secure. Behold, the best news possible this Christmas. Behold, God loves you. You say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. You say, that's me. I'm finally realizing I want to make that decision. You say, that's me. Listen to me. Our church, it is our honor. We count it an honor to pray with every single person who wants to pray this prayer. And so right now, I'll give you the words that you need to say. You can pray it quietly in your own heart. We will pray it with you. Come on, church. Nobody prays alone. Say these words right now. Say it with us. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. Come on, church. Can we give God praise for what he's done today?